All right, is everybody ready? All right, well, let's dive into the Word of God together. Uh, a oft-trod portion of Scripture for us these last few weeks. We're going to start with the same portions of Scripture and continue on tonight with our Battles of the Mind series. This is part four, if you're counting. Uh, and I think it says that on the screen overhead. There you go. Look at that. Uh, part cuatro. Uh, that's all the Spanish I've got for you, though. Uh, so no habla espanol. Uh, there's, a, there's a number of sick kids around. Uh, and so uh, be, be in prayer about those that are not feeling well. Also pray for Elias. Uh, he's, uh, unfortunately, uh, his, his leg was broke this week. Uh, and so... Now you've got two people with casts on in the Okineski home, and so uh, definitely keep them in your prayers. But more than just prayers, uh, wrap your arms of love around them. Uh, I'm sure they wouldn't mind if you showed up at their house with a hot plate of birria tacos or something like that. Uh, it's hard to cook when you're in a cast, uh, and then it's also hard to take care of a, of a child when, you're, when you can't bear weight uh, and the child can't bear weight, and it's just all kinds of fun. Uh, and so definitely be in prayer about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations... And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Somebody say every thought. Was anybody successful between last Wednesday and this Wednesday of bringing every thought into captivity? Neither was I. And so that means that we've got some room to grow in this area. Now, I, I do believe that the majority of thoughts were, were brought down into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Uh, I, I don't recall uh, many very long pity parties. They didn't last very long if, if I had one. Uh, I don't think anybody else was invited anyways, and so that's step one uh, of snapping out of the pity party. Uh, by the way, when you throw a pity party, nobody else is going to show up. It's just going to be you at your party. Uh, but uh, we've, we've talked extensively the last couple of weeks. Uh, we don't really have time to, to recap, and so part one, two, and three are available on the podcast or on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, or you could just read through one of the Miller's notes uh, and get a good portion of it. Uh, but we move on today to part four. Uh, let's, let's read Philippians chapter four. Does anybody remember what we talked about the first week, though? Victim mentality, excellent. What about the second week? Entitlement mentality. What about the third week? Complacency, excellent. All right, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That would be a great one to just, like, print out. Or write out and put on your mirror. Uh, put, it, put it somewhere in your car where you can see it. 
Put it somewhere where it's like the first thing that you see when you wake up in the morning is rejoicing in the Lord. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Somebody say the peace of God. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. I'm not here tonight just to give you information. I'm here tonight so that we can make application. Uh, because those, those things that you've received and you've heard and seen need to be done in our lives for that, that peace of God that we so desire to fill our hearts. How many want peace from the Lord? I, I, I would like peace. I would like peace on earth, uh, as the angel declared. Peace on earth, good will toward men. Uh, it does not seem like the earth has a whole lot of peace right now. But the people of God should have the peace of God at all times. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. So that's what we're here to do tonight is prepare our minds for action. I don't want to have a reactive mind. I don't want to just react to what I feel, but I want to begin to, by the power of the Holy Ghost, enforce and to bring my will into the equation. David would write in Psalm 101, I will behave myself wisely. I will set no wicked thing before my eye. You ought to declare every morning that you get up, I will bring everything to God. I will be careful about nothing. I will focus my mind and discipline my mind on the things of God. I will have the peace of God today. You can make that decision because that's a promise for you from the Word of God. You don't have to beg God for peace. You simply need to do what the Scripture says, and God has promised to give you peace. So prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Everybody say fasting. <laughs> Amen. As a little sidebar. I hope everybody was inspired by Sunday's message. Uh, if you missed it, you missed perhaps one of the greatest messages. No, I'll just say the greatest message on fasting that I have ever heard in my life, bar none. Uh, and so I am excited. I am excited for this season that God is calling us into. Uh, if, if you are uh, with child and unable to fast or otherwise unable to fast, and again, I would encourage you to listen to that message on Sunday and watch your excuses melt away, uh, but there are some people that for a limited period of time are medically unable to fast. I would highly encourage you to find something that will be difficult to give up and to give it up. Uh, 
I think it would be good and healthy for all of us to go through a period of time where we just give up our smartphones for a while. Well, glory. Amen. I know what I'm hitting on. All right. We're going dumb phone week as a church. Y'all ready? The irony as I'm on Facebook right now. So the last several weeks, we've talked about attitudes that we need to fight or labor against, things that we want to remove from our minds and from our hearts. Today, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about qualities that we have to fight for. We want them in our mind. We want them in our heart. If, if our mind was a garden... These would be seeds that you want to sow into the soil of your mind. The last three weeks, we've talked about weeds and stones that need to be removed from the soil. But now we need to talk about some of the seeds that need to be sown in. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. And it is maybe a familiar portion of Scripture to you. It says, The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. But it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Somebody say righteousness. Say peace. And say joy. In the Holy Ghost. It's not in your ability. It's not in your personality. It's not in your circumstance. It is in the Holy Ghost. Now... In this verse, there almost seems to be a progression, and I will not be militant about it, but to me, it seems like these three are listed in a particular order for a particular reason. I do not believe that you can possess peace without righteousness. Peace in your heart without righteousness is either ignorance or deception. I am not sure that joy is possible without peace. Now the problem with this is, is that we've all seen far too many joyless Christians walking around. Now I know that's none of us, and I don't want you to look at anybody, and I don't want you to think about anybody right now, but surely you've come across that person. How you doing today? Oh... You ever been around somebody that you're just like, I can't wait to get away from them? A major wet blanket, a buzz kill, a mood crusher, a killjoy? I'm all out now. (laughs) Thank you for the audience participation. Now, I understand that there are personalities that we might not click with. And there are people that we, you know, we we love them. We're following peace with them. But maybe we just don't get along. But my goodness, a spirit-filled Christian should be one of the easiest people to be around for an extended period of time. We ought to be easy to be around. Why? Because if we've got the love of God filling our hearts and flowing out of us, People can feel love when it flows out of us. You know what else they can feel? Lack of joy. When you're a miserable Christian, 
How in the world are you going to convince somebody else to become a Christian? You should try it. It's horrible. That doesn't make any sense. And I refuse to believe that God intended his people to walk around with a frown on their face and with so much stress in their life that they're pulling their hair out and they're going absolutely nuts. That is not how God desires us to live our lives. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Anybody been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Well, you have access to peace and joy, and you have access to righteousness by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's talk about righteousness, because again, I do not believe that true peace, God's peace, is not possible without righteousness. Righteousness is the state of being right with God. Within its context, of course, it contains obedience to the laws of God. Now, you cannot, we talked about this during our, our, our week on entitlement. Your righteousness, my righteousness, is at best a filthy rag, as Isaiah would say. Now, if you want a fun word study, Go look up those words in the Hebrew and figure out what they mean. It is, it's not pretty. The best I could do was still repulsive to God. And so it's not dependent upon my righteousness. My, my state of being right with God, he did not leave that in my arms. But he stepped into humanity and he was incarnated and he walked among us and he triumphed over sin and then sacrificed himself in place of us, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he could impute or give to us or count us as righteous on the basis of his own righteousness. You could read all of Romans chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6, and uh, wouldn't you know it? That's why we're in a hurry tonight. I'm just kidding. I've just got a few selections to read. But I would highly encourage you, go read Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6 and, and get a picture of it because by the time you get to Romans 14 and Paul reminds us that it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, he's already talked about that for like 13 prior chapters. That's the reason that verse can just declare it so boldly. So righteousness is this. Let's look in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. That means outside of the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For he's talking about no difference between circumcised and uncircumcised, Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's interesting about that verse is it switches tense in the middle of the verse. All have sinned and come short, and that's present tense. We are coming short of the glory of God. If God removed from you his righteousness right now, you would immediately be back in a sinful state. If his grace departed from you, you and I would find ourselves hopelessly entangled in sin. But 
God is faithful and true, and he is not going to remove his grace from you. It says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Jesus committed no sins. So if his blood is, it is the remission of sins that are past, what Paul is saying here is his blood is remitting my sins that have been committed. His blood is covering the sins of mankind through the forbearance of God. Verse 26 says this, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of them, or of him which believeth in Jesus. All right, move on to Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? It's always kind of an important question at Bible study. What does the Bible say? It says this, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying... Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Let's read Romans chapter 5 and then we'll, we'll talk about justification. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, reading down through verse 5, it says this, Therefore being justified or being counted as righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Did you see that right there? There's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, joy. We are justified or counted as righteous we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Okay. Uh, in case you didn't catch it there in those three portions of Scripture, uh, there's three words uh, that are, are valuable for you to know. The first word is justification. I see all the teenagers furiously scribbling. Justification is God counts us as righteous on the basis of our faith in the sacrifice and in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you must remember that faith always contains, saving faith always contains obedience. And so as we, we uh, this faith begins to operate through us, as we have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we begin to do what the scriptures say and repent of our sins. As we have faith in the, the, the love and the forgiveness of God, we'll obey and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. As we have faith, he has promised to give us the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you are justified 
through faith. Justification explains how, let's say tonight, right now at 7.31, in walks the, the biggest drunk in all of Watertown. He was on his way by. In fact, he was drunk tonight, driving. If that makes it, I don't know, harder. And he steps into this place and he feels the love of Jesus Christ. And maybe I feel to switch the sermon a little bit. And I begin to, to just talk about the gospel. And this despicable town drunk that we're all pulling our kids further away from, which we wouldn't do. Uh, we, all of a sudden, tears begin to roll down his cheeks. And he lifts his hands and begins to repent of his sins. And he, he hears about water baptism with some understanding about it. And he says, you know what? I need to be baptized calling on the name of the Lord. And so we fire up the tank. We baptize him in Jesus' name. He comes out of the water, lifts his hands, and God fills him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's justification on the basis of faith. And then he walks out of this this, this church, he gets in his car, he peels out and gets T-boned by a semi, and he passes off into eternity. Now, I know that escalated quickly. But would you believe he is just as saved as you are, even though you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years? See, when God counted us as righteous, he gave us righteousness on the basis of the sinlessness of Jesus Christ and his pure blood that was poured out. And so that, that righteousness that we can glean, that is not from my works, that is from him. But it very much has to do with my walking in obedience to his word. Because the next word we need to know is sanctification. Sanctification is past, present, and future all at the same time. When I was justified, I was sanctified. I was made clean and holy in the eyes of God. I've been counted as righteous when I'm not righteous. I won't say that it's not a problem when you sin. Sin is always a problem, okay? It needs repentance because sin unrepented of will bring death. But that's why on the basis of that righteousness, we can turn back to Jesus Christ and simply say, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? But we, we were saved. We're being saved right now. Sanctification is a present process. God is sanctifying me currently every day as I walk with him more and more and more. I'm becoming more like him. And the day will come where I will be saved. I am being saved from the bond of sin right now, but I will be saved from even the desire of sin. And then the third term we need to know is glorification. There will come a day, as Paul would write about in 1 Corinthians 15, when this mortal shall put on immortality, this flesh, this corruption will put on incorruption, and I will be glorified. In, in, in reality, at that point, I will be made actually righteous because my sinful nature is going to be removed, and I will spend eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ. See, that's the kingdom of God. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But these things do not happen by accident. They happen by an intentional mindset. Righteousness requires us 
to continue to walk according to the will and the word of God. You cannot have the peace of God that passes understanding without righteousness. But we're American, and so we try to medicate it. I am convinced. I'm on thin ice here. You ready? Everybody ready? You can throw something at me later. Or you can throw it at me right now. I'm pretty good at dodging. I am convinced that a, a very large percentage of people battling anxiety don't have an anxiety problem. They have an unrighteousness problem. And we live in a world that wants to medicate away a guilty conscience and wants to medicate away a sin-ridden soul. And we're trying to medicate something that can only be dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ that, is, that has ran down a cross. I'm, I've come to tell somebody today there is peace available in Jesus Christ if we will learn to walk in righteousness. There is a physiological effect of sin. We all know this. When's the last time you did something really, really stupid and you couldn't wait to, like, you, you were like, oh, my goodness, i got to repent. Like, it's got to happen now. Of course, nobody wants to admit it because we never make mistakes, right? We're like, man, i got to, and, and or, or you did something stupid and you were on your way to reconcile it and that guilt and that, that feeling what does that feel like? Stomach ache? Heart rate? Clammy palms? There, there's a physiological effect of sin. Watch this. David writes about this in the Psalms. You've probably heard me talk about this in the past. In Psalm 32, watch this. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. We just read about this in, in Romans. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Okay, so Paul stops quoting right here. Look at the next verse. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. What's he describing? He's describing the internal state of man in unrighteousness. When there is unrepented sin in our heart, our conscience convicts us, and I do believe that God will at times be merciful enough to us to not allow us to just ignore us, but give us a physiological consequence of sin, of guilt, and of shame to let us know that, wait, there's something wrong here that I need to deal with. It's real shouting stuff, right? But watch the answer in verse 5. If, if you want to deal with this, if you want to, to walk in righteousness so that you can have the peace of God in your life, look at verse 5. There we go. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. 
If you want the peace of God, repentance and righteousness is your starting point. It is your gateway. It is your pathway into peace is to say, God, uh, I'm sorry that I'm such a carnal jerk. Uh, Would you fill me with your spirit? Uh, Would you wash away my sins so that I can be pleasing in your sight? Uh, You see, as we begin to remove the things that are displeasing to God, uh, the peace of God is going to begin to replace them. That is why it's so important that we discipline our minds to think on things that are lovely and true and pure. The more we feed our carnality, the more our carnality will rise up and we will not walk in righteousness. But if we will discipline our flesh and cast ourselves upon the grace of God and allow his righteousness to cover us like a breastplate and then we walk in his commandments, there is peace available. That's what America needs to hear. Peace is available through righteousness. Look at Psalm 38, if you wanted another example. If if Psalm 32 was not quite like super descriptive, maybe that's just like normal human reaction to awkward circumstances, right? Look at Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Why in the world would God be displeased with one of his children? Unrighteousness. You ready? For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thine hand presseth me sore. It's as if God himself is creating the discomfort Seeking to bring somebody to a place of repentance. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. That's why fully one quarter of Americans are taking antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications at any point in time. One quarter. Disclaimer, we need a disclaimer. There is a time and a place for medication, okay? But I guarantee you, having worked in primary care, we are over-medicating our country. By the way, if you're drinking tap water right now like I am, you're already medicated. Like, it's in the water. It's there. It's it, like you're getting it. You, they can do tests on it. It shows up in our water supply, Okay? But so does everything else, so there's fluoride there too. Uh, I'm just not rich enough to buy the pH-balanced life water from Fiji. How much water does Fiji have? Like, where is all this water coming from? That can't actually be from Fiji. It's false advertising. But we live in a world where the slightest moment of discomfort mentally, I've seen it so many times, and it... It is, it is one of the most agonizing things about being a nurse and working in primary care uh, is that you, I can't have conversations with, with all of them. I want to, I, I, and I do as often as I can, but people don't want to go to the doctor to, to, get, to get counseling. They want to go to a doctor to get a pill. We're a microwave society. We want a pill to fix it. We, just, we want to go in. We want to get a pill. We want to fix it. The problem with getting a pill to fix is that pills have side effects, and then you need another pill to fix that side effect. And it takes four to six weeks for those pills to kick in, and the time that you're taking those pills, your suicidal ideation shoots through the roof. And now we're worse off than we were. 
And now I'm gaining weight because that's the side effect of all of the pills. And so all of a sudden I'm depressed about that. Did you know that the most common class of antidepressants that is described or prescribed, uh, it is equally as effective to exercise 30 minutes a day, three times a week. You get the same benefit from taking the medication as you do from exercise. It's almost as if God designed our human body to get up and move around a little bit. But we live in a society that is desperate to, to calm the feeling of anxiety, to calm that gnawing. What they're looking for is not a pill. What they're looking for is peace. And the only place we're going to find peace is in Jesus Christ. The only place our anxiety is going to be done, uh, done away with is in Jesus Christ. It's in the arms uh, of a loving Savior. And please, nobody in this room, uh, I don't want anybody in this room to think that I look down on you or think that you're somehow sub sub whatever but I want you to hear it right now there is peace in the arms of Jesus Christ peace that will consume us peace that will carry us peace that will keep us close to him and in his love his peace is available to us if we will walk in righteousness you cannot medicate away a guilty conscience and we try. At best, we reach a place of flatline. Nothing. In fact, I've seen plenty of people dial back a dose because they'll come back into the doctor and say, I can't feel anything. Your life is going to have a series of, none of this is in my notes, okay? Your life is going to have a series of ups and downs. Like we're, the general trajectory of your life should be closer and closer to Jesus, right? Like an upward trajectory. But it's not like a steady slope. There, there's, there's mountains and valleys and there's, there's low points and there's high points. And, and God fully intended us to walk through those low points. In fact, there's a point to low points. I should write a book. Somebody already did. Uh, there, there's a point to these low points, and that is to teach us to lean on Jesus Christ. What does he say in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, there's, when, when we're in a low point, we don't have to turn to anything else. Uh, we can cling to the feet of Jesus we can cling to some nail-scarred hands and say, Jesus, I'm not all right right now. I need you to step into my life. And he will do so. I'm also not saying that all anxiety is caused by unrighteousness. But I am saying it's impossible for you to have peace unless you'll walk in righteousness. We've heard... Do you just, somebody jerk my coat if I'm, I'm getting too far out there, okay? It's, it's time for a pet peeve time. You ready for pet peeve time? Okay. When we say, I'm trying to measure this carefully. We'll cut all of that from the podcast. When, when we say, I tried prayer and it didn't work. What does that mean? 
Does it mean I prayed 15 minutes and it didn't immediately go away? Most likely. I prayed once and everything didn't change and the little blue birdies weren't on my head and like a rainbow in the sky and nothing changed. We have such a dependence on the arm of man to bring peace. And the arm of man will never bring peace. There's no medication. There's no political party. There's no thing that you can buy. There's no relationship that you can get into that is going to bring peace. The only thing that is going to bring peace is to be in the kingdom of God, in the Holy Ghost, walking in righteousness and allowing God to fill your heart. Uh, can you at least try prayer? If you tried it, try it again. Uh, try it again. Try it one more time. Uh, try with some desperation inside. I'm telling you, we have the answer that this world is looking for. The, the answer is not a multi-billion dollar pharma prescription. The answer is the hope that is in Jesus Christ. It says, mine iniquities are gone over my head and as a heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. That's, that's like my life verse right there. My wounds stink and are corrupt because I'm really foolish. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. In verse 18, he does not just leave it there. Look what he says in verse 18. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Sin removes righteousness and with it peace, but repentance restores. Repentance restores right standing with God. It is impossible to be righteous with God and not be right with your brother. Don't wonder why you don't have peace if your marriage is in turmoil. Don't wonder why you don't have peace if you're in conflict with your neighbor. It's because we're not walking right by our neighbor. Okay, I'm in all kinds of trouble and we got we got more than we got time for, so let's get this, let's get moving. Peace. We all rose our raised our hands earlier and said we wanted peace. Peace is quiet brought about in mind, heart, or the inner man. When a soul is reconciled to its creator. Jesus is our prince of peace. We are to seek peace. We are to pursue peace. We are to follow peace with all men. We are to live a life in pursuit of following after the peace of God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. You see, we, we must diligently pursue peace. It is not the will of God. It is not the will of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, 
for his children to be constantly depressed, riddled with anxiety, crippled by fear, whacked out because of stress. That is not how God desires his children to live. Again, there are ups, there are downs, there are lows, there are highs in this journey of life. But there will always be ups and downs in this journey of life. But if we will commit to walking with him, we can know peace. Proverbs 16 and 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, righteousness, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And if my life is not pleasing to God, then it's impossible for me to possess the peace of God. It is not his will for us to be totally frazzled and stressed out all the time. But we will lose peace when we try to do it on our own. If you're in pursuit of peace in this place, it's just like righteousness. You, you, you can try. But at best, you can get a quiet room, some nice candles, a little essential oil diffuser, maybe the sounds of the whales in the background, and that's as close to peace as you're going to come in your own efforts. But there is a place with God where you can be surrounded by absolute turmoil and still have peace on the inside because you have the Prince of Peace living inside of you. You want an example of that? Look at Jesus as the disciples are freaking out. And these are, these are maritime men. They know how to sail a boat across the Sea of Galilee. They're bailing out for everything they've got. And Jesus is asleep on a pillow in the back part of the ship. That's peace. Again, I'm not saying peace is, peace is independent of outside circumstance. I experienced th th this in the deepest way for the first time in my life this summer. I, I've learned about peace, but man, I'm telling you, when, when we made the decision at 1230 at night to pack up and get out before all of the locals came in, there was no fear or anxiety about it. There was just peace. Now, my flesh, my heart was going a little bit. My palms were a little bit clammy. But I swear to you, in my heart, there was just peace from the presence of Jesus Christ. Why? When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You can find a place in Jesus Christ as you walk with him where he will move into your heart and his peace and his love will begin to take over. But you cannot have peace and do it your own way. To try to do it our own way is to buck against his plan. You've heard Sister Jordan say it a number of times, and I'll repeat it tonight. Any area of my life where I do not have peace and I'm battling anxiety is a place that I need to resurrender to the Prince of Peace. 
Isaiah 26, 3 says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. If you'll fix your mind on Jesus Christ instead of trying to solve it yourself or come up with the answer yourself, there is peace available to the child of God. Jesus would declare this in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace of God contains with it an element of security and contentedness. When you've got the peace of God inside, external circumstances become far less important. Walking in step with the will of God rises to the top like it's supposed to. Do you realize when Paul wrote Philippians 4, if you want to throw that back up there, he was in a Roman prison? Facing death? And like we get a flat tire on the way to church and we can't worship for the whole service. And here's a dude in chains writing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Whew. What is that? That's peace. That's peace. What and if, when, America continues to go crazy? Y'all, if we were any other country in the world, our, our economy would have collapsed totally by now. Our, our currency is completely, it's fake. The, the debt to GDP ratio is absolutely out of whack. Any other country in the world, if it were not the reserve currency, would have completely folded by now. Now, if that fills your heart with terror and fear, we can walk with peace in the Lord knowing that he's going to take care of us. We can walk with peace in every circumstance. See, there's, there's a place in God, and that's what I'm trying to communicate to you tonight, is that there is a place in God that you can get to where, ex, where external things don't bother you like they used to bother you. They don't matter as much as they used to matter. You can find a place with the Prince of Peace where all of your fear, all of your anxiety, all of your stress, all of that can melt away. Hmm. And yet I'm looking at some faces tonight that almost look like they just, they're like, what is he talking? I'm not supposed to be stressed. I said it last night, or last week, I'll say it again. I am, I am growing convicted about how much I worry about his flock. I walk with the Prince of Peace. He's going to keep my heart. See, if, if we'll fix our minds... If we'll be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer, uh, verse 6 of Philippians 4, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let my request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 9. Those things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do and the God of Peace shall be with you. 
I want you to, we're going to move on to joy here in a second. I've got to cover joy in like two minutes. Here's your test for the week. The first time you start flipping out, ask yourself, is this the peace of God? And if it's not, find the peace of God. You have the Prince of Peace living inside of you. Find peace. Your route to peace might be repentance. It might be surrender. It might be to sever. I can't be around you. I need to go find peace. That's not, not your children, okay? It's a different thing. Those are blessings from the Lord, okay? Those are blessings. Everybody say it with me. They're a blessing from the Lord. All right, good. Let's move on to joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, or joy is a flavor, if you'll allow me to say it that way, of the, the fruit of the Spirit within us. And yet so many of us walk around without joy. Again, I know it's nobody here, but like, why is there no joy you want to know why there's no joy? Because there's not enough peace. There's not enough peace because there's not enough surrender and righteousness. But if, if we will walk in righteousness and will commit to having peace, joy is a natural byproduct of the spirit that lives within us. Again, like peace, this is independent of external circumstances. That's how Paul could be in chains penning, rejoice in the Lord always. That's how he and Silas can have their feet in stocks and their backs ripped to shreds and begin to praise the Lord. It's joy. You, you ought to be giddy with excitement every once in a while in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I mean like giddy. Like somebody that just got a new shotgun that they could totally not afford, giddy. Okay? Giddy. Like you just got that new vehicle you've always wanted and somebody gave it to you debt-free. Giddy. See, it's not about emotion. It's about a fruit inside of us. There's joy springing up from within me. There's joy that comes out. Why? Because my sins were washed away and I've got hope for eternity. And if that doesn't stir joy inside of you, I can't help you. You're like, you're cold. you got to find something to get a hold of. Because when, when you think about what you were and what he's brought you out of and what he's making you into, there's an old song that used to say, I, uh, used to, we used to sing, I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about, come on, Troy, what he's done for me. What the Lord has done for me. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I... <laughs> Matthew 13 and 44 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth... And for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Do you realize what you have access to in Jesus Christ? 
Somebody get up and express some joy right now. Just express some joy. Your sins have been washed away. You've got the treasure that was in the field. Uh, so sell all, buy the field. Uh, sell all, buy the field. Uh, oh, uh, I'm thankful, Jesus, uh, that my sins were washed away. I'm th- ah! Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay, so in case you think that this is just like a word that is it's strictly an internal state and there's no external manifestation of joy. The word rejoice is, is Cairo. It means to be full of cheer, that is calmly happy or well off. The word joy, the, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5 and 22 is caro. That means cheerfulness or calm delight. So put a smile on your face when you walk around because your sins have been washed away and you've got a mansion on the other side in heaven. And if you're not excited about that, then I don't think you're walking in righteousness and you don't possess the peace of God inside of your heart. We ought to be the most jubilant people around no matter what. What's going on? Even if the car gets a flat tire on the way or the battery dies uh, and we need a tow truck to come get us, we ought to be joyful every day that we wake up. Why? Because no matter what's going on around me, uh, there's a day that's coming uh, when I'm going to cross over to the other side uh, and I'm going to walk down a street of gold uh, and I'm going to cast my crown uh, at his feet. That is reason to be joyful. No matter the day, no matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on. uh, But if you want the joy of the Lord uh, to be your strength, you need to find that place where you dwell uh, in the peace of God. uh, And that peace will stir joy inside of you. Uh, You're not going to be joyous uh, when you're battling sin. uh, But if you'll crucify the flesh uh, and walk in righteousness, uh, joy uh, will begin to grow as a fruit of the Spirit in your life. We ought to have a smile on our face every time we walk through Walmart. How's your day going? Good. I've been born again. We ought to be so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that was given to us. We ought to be so consumed with the joy of the Lord. It ought not to take take a jumper pack to get you to move in the house of God. It ought not to take just the right song or the right beat uh, or that right thing to get a little two-step going in you. It ought not to take something to get your motor revving. Uh, All I've got to do is think about what he's done for me. Uh, I'll fix my mind on him. Uh, I'll fix my mind on his kingdom. Uh, When my world's falling apart, uh, I can look ahead to the day when I'm going to see him face to face. Isaiah 61 and 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. God, uh, put this inside of my heart. Uh, There's a verse in 1 Peter. I, I apparently don't have it in my notes anywhere. But it says... Uh, whom having not seen ye loved, and now you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Whew, I can get joyful 
I can be joyful at any moment, at any time, because my soul has been spared from death. My soul has been spared from an eternity separated from God, and I've got a hope of an eternity with Him forever. Why don't we stand in this place tonight?